This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9. Good morning. It's 7.06 a.m. on Friday, the 10th of February. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wang Xiaoning and Chong Jen San. Now, in half an hour, we're going to discuss the state of global democracy and other findings from the 2022 Democracy Index released by the Economist Intelligence Unit. But as always, let's begin the morning with a recap on how global markets closed overnight. All U.S. markets were in the red. The Dow was down 0.7%, S&P 500 down 0.9%, and the Nasdaq was down by 1%. In Asian markets, the Nikkei was down by 0.1%. The Hang Seng was up by 1.6%. Shanghai Composite up by 1.2%. The Straits Times Index down by 0.9%. And the FBM KLCI, it was down by 0.4%. So for some insights on what's moving markets, we speak to Tim Mulholland, president at TJM Limited in Chicago. Tim, good morning. Thanks for speaking with us. Yeah, Tim, I've got a question actually in terms of US Treasuries first out because we can see that the yields have actually, excuse me, have risen. What does this then mean for markets? Is this indicative that the Fed is going to continue to push up interest rates higher? Well, I mean, I think that's pretty clear. They haven't gotten to their terminal yet. Uh, rate yet. But, you know, the market seems to want to interpret uh, dovishness from the Fed and the inversion signaling uh, Fed rate cut. But I'm not so sure the Treasury market has really given us the signals that it once did, you know. And I I think it also stems from the fact that I don't think the Fed really believes that inflation is not transitory. When they talk 2%, this still makes me think they think this is a new, just a nuisance here. But, you know, and it's a joke for anyone to suggest that financial conditions have really tightened, certainly in some interest rate sensitive sectors, but not when you look at the market and the action in the marketplace and what's going on. So anyway, animal spirits are alive. I think the Fed has no choice. And the question now, someone posed it, I think one of the, maybe it was a Fed official uh, the other day, mentioned 6%. I I tell you, if inflation is going to be, these numbers are going to be huge coming up here, but I don't, I'm not so sure that it's going to be a victory on inflation if it settles at 5%. Tim, what are you seeing from the employment standpoint? Because we have seen um, pretty robust numbers coming out of uh, the employment uh, data. I guess, what do you think this means for how, when inflation is going to peak or or what that means for the trend moving forward? Well, first of all, I think what you're suggesting is really where the good sector we saw came down. Um, There's no question about that. The good sector can go back up. The service sector is where it is entrenched. And even the payrolls, okay, let's say the seasonal adjustments, however you slice it, though, it was still a pretty strong number. But the real factor here is that the labor force participation rate is stubbornly low. Uh, job openings are still well above unemployed and the unemployment, uh, those looking for work. And, uh, you know, you're going to see, I think, wage pressure stay sticky. And I, I see from my own experience, I see prices, even a company I do some stuff for and, and consult with, you know, raise prices and the market took it. So I, I think it's a little more entrenched than people want to admit. And Tim, in 2022, forex volatility concerning the US dollar became a prime concern for multinational companies. What sort of option strategies would you recommend they take in order to hedge against excessive volatility in the greenback this year? Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, <clears throat> you know, they had this rip-roaring rally, you know, that was uh, huge. I think the all-time dollar ho- or euro high and dollar index high, uh, you know, we came about two-thirds retracement and then we reversed. So I think the dollar is going to be in a downtrend, which is going to be a good headwind for multinationals. 
Now, when I was doing the hedging, I used to see some pretty neat overlay strategies for currencies that I would think are really good to do or just to play. And you have to really know what you're doing a lot. But I think you could uh, you know, be aware of opportunistic uh, or opportunities in the forward markets as well. I think there's just no other way to do it. But I will say that I think the dollar is has uh, peaked. And I think we're going to see a downtrend in the dollar, which for multinationals should be a good thing, as well as EM, by the way. Okay, let's take a look at uh, China stocks because the Nasdaq Golden Dragon Index, which tracks U.S. listed Chinese companies, is actually up. Uh, just looking at it at Bloomberg as we speak, up 16% on a year-to-date basis. Why are investors moving funds back into these stocks when the threat of delisting is still there? And let's just be honest, uh, relations between U.S. and China aren't great at the moment, especially over the weather balloon. On Actually, it no, turned out to be not a weather balloon, but a surveillance balloon. Yeah. Well, you know, aside from all of that, I think that the delisting, you know, even if it does or doesn't, I don't think it really matters to me because you can get access to A shares and H shares uh, pretty easily. And also people that are, you know, EM has really taken off this year, I think really rallied pretty smartly, uh, strongly rather. And, um, you know, I think that you can't get in an ETF, EM ETF, mostly any ETF, involving emerging markets without heavy China exposure, which is also China tech. So I think that's one of the reasons. But also, let's look at, you know, China economy coming out, the government backing off a little bit, albeit still a little bit strict on rules. But nevertheless, it looks like they're backing off a little bit. And there's so much potential in this Chinese tech as well. And let's... uh jump over to meme stocks, Tim, because they were all the rage back in 2021. Um, But I don't think we're seeing uh, that much of it uh, two years on. Are retail investors still a force to be reckoned with in the equity market, do you think? Even more so than before. And uh, it's interesting, the retail participation in this market, I saw a statistic last week, I can't recall where, but it is exceeding the level that it reached in 2021. But maybe they're not doing meme stocks anymore. But what people are doing these days are trading same day option expiration or one day option expirations like crazy. It's over half half of the volume on the options market. So what I think they realized is, hey, I can buy some calls or buy some puts or sell calls and sell puts and I can get that instant day satisfaction. But when I see that, that tells me animal spirits are very much alive and well, and so is speculation in this market. And when you're looking at these swings in the day, it has to do with these same day options expirations, in my view. But what are they buying, Tim? Are they just buying derivatives? They're not actually buying companies? Well, actually, no. Oh, not at all. They're buying the index, like the SPY, which is the S&P 500 index, or the SPX. Um, so those are the that's the ETF. I mean, the biggest ETF is the SPY and the Qs. The Qs are the Nasdaq 100, and the SPY is the S and P 500. So they buy options on the index, uh, and that's what they're doing. So they could do it. I think individual stocks. I know they were doing a lot of put buying in Tesla and took the vaults. This is a month ago, by the way, which really gave it a lot of ammo, I think, to rally. But this is what's happening. So these short dated options, which are the height of speculation, in my opinion. I think are really driving the market. And I think it's indicative that the Fed's not nowhere near tight enough yet. All right, Tim, thanks very much for speaking with us. That was Tim Mulholland, president at TJM Limited in Chicago, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead. Yeah, I think the recent job numbers really threw the market off guard. I think the market was expecting something like 180,000 new jobs, but I think it came in at more than 400,000. So I think this really um, um, would 
alter the Fed's uh, policy in terms of raising rates and the terminal rates will probably be much, a little bit higher than what the market is expecting as well. 6%, right? That's what everyone's looking at at uh, the moment? 5 to 5.25. That was, I think, what the view was maybe like a week ago, but maybe it's inching up to 6%. I think on the back of the different comments made by the different Fed chairs. Um, now, what's interesting to me, what Tim said, is retailers are alive and well in yeah. the United States, unlike in Malaysia, <laughs> where retailers have just disappeared. I mean, we had a lot of retail participation in 2020, 2021, and suddenly, boom, disappeared. Like, so, uh, where did they go? So Tim was using the term animal spirits, right? And how he sees the animal spirits alive and well. I guess in Malaysia, the animal spirit is a sloth or some sort, you know, just really slow. Or it didn't even come, I mean, it what? It came, a rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> it like bounced around and then went back into the burrow. Or maybe I think that's about right. Were tortoises still in hibernation, perhaps? Well, I don't know, you know. I don't know. This tortoise has been going on for a very, very long time. Uh, but I think we have some interesting corporate results. That's right. So I think the big news overnight is on Lyft. Lyft shares tumbled 28% after issuing forecasts that the current quarter revenue will be below Wall Street estimates. And this is due to the extremely cold weather on some of its major markets and lower prices during peak hours. So this was in sharp contrast to Uber, which is the larger rival, they had a strong global presence and that helped um, create this boom in demand for ride-hailing services from travellers and office-goers. So Lyft is forecasting first quarter revenue of around, of around $975 million, which is below analyst estimates of close to $1.1 billion. And they're forecasting first quarter EBITDA to be between $5 million and $15 million in terms of their fourth quarter numbers. They declared a 21% growth in revenue to $1.2 billion but net loss came in at $588 million versus a net loss of $283 million a year ago. Okay, so we do need to compare this with their bigger rival, right, which is Uber and some differences. Lyft actually only operates in North America while Uber is a global company. Uber, of course, also is a multi-channel platform. Uh, You can get a ride, you can order food, you can send a delivery. Lyft has much more limited services, uh, but I think they do have some partnerships with Grubhub to offer members a complimentary subscription to the fluid delivery platform. They also launched an advertising unit last year to tap higher margin revenue, a strategy that other on-demand platforms like Uber also have implemented. But the point is this quarter, what we have seen is that in their quest for market share, they are basically willing to take on insurance costs from their from their riders to actually increase the number of riders, which then means that profits will be lower. So I think mm. the street clearly doesn't like it. Now, in the past, if you look at the spread between or the split between uh, Americans' market share, between Uber and that and Lyft, Uber has 70%, Lyft has 30%. But last quarter, you actually see those numbers shrink quite significantly. And somebody pointed out on Bloomberg, which is true, Uber's a verb now. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right? So that gives you an indication of their market share and their dominance in this market. So if you look at uh, the analyst recommendations when it comes to Lyft this morning, 19 buys only, 23 holes, 2 sells. Consensus target price for this 22 US dollars. Last time price actually during regular market hours, it was only down 53 cents to $16.22. But I do know after market hours, it was down as much as 30%. And I do suspect after these results, there will be more downgrades to come. 
30%. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's 7.17 in the morning. Let's uh, head into some messages and we'll come back with a look at more top stories from the local and international newspapers and portals. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.